Welcome to the Student of the Game podcast with Tim Stone, where I sit down with successful entrepreneurs to extract the knowledge you need to increase your income and avoid simple mistakes. You learn from their failures so you don't have to go through the same thing. I hope that you find one lesson you can apply to your life from this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Student of the Game podcast. I'm Tim Stone here with a very special guest today. We've got Coach Michael Burt, the number one activator of Prey Drive, uh, championship winning basketball coach, much more winning business coach. Uh, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And we're going to have a great talk today. We're going to have a great talk. I am super looking forward to it. And I'm looking to, I, I've seen you speak in person several times, but yep. never had the, one-on-one conversation really to dive into the stuff I want to know. So real quick, tell my listeners who you are, and then we're going to dive right into it. You know, at my core, I'm a coach. Um, I've spent my whole life. I found my voice very early in life, started coaching as early as 15 years old in basketball, was really a basketball coach from 15 to 31. It seems young, but I I was a junior pro basketball coach, then an elementary coach, then a high school coach. I built kind of a national powerhouse at a place called Riverdale High School in Tennessee that that really would win seven of nine championships over a 10 year cycle. And uh, it was there that I I really fell in love with inner engineering people, activating the prey drive inside of a person, building what I call competitive intelligence in people to perform. But prey drive is a staple for me. It's what I wrote the book, Flip the Switch on, which is really how you activate a deep drive inside of a person to pursue something bigger to pursue a dream a deal an opportunity a a relationship a partnership that is prey drive Mm. and that's what i know you're good at but i don't know how do you get good at that because me personally i could be very motivated or really focused on one thing and i I know what my goal is very clear on it but every day you just don't i i don't want to go for it every day on on what i know is required because a lot of times i know what to do but like, what, what, what's the key? The truth is most people don't feel mm-hmm. like it. that's why I talk about the, the drive has to be activated daily. Uh, amateurs listen to their feelings. Professionals do not listen to their feelings. The pro decides that they want something. What do they want? They, they see something with the eyes or in the mind, in the imagination. And they, they, the pro knows there's going to be a cost to achieving this. It's going to be a cost of time, energy, money, resource, commitment. And I'm willing to suffer. That's one definition of passion to suffer, to have it. And the pro knows it's going to take longer than I thought. It's going to be harder than I thought. It's going to take, it's going to take more than I thought, but in the end, it'll all be worth it. The amateur, uh, the amateur doesn't, have that ability to see it through to its conclusion. Therefore, they they stay at an amateur level versus a pro level. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard Andy Elliott say, uh, what's it going to cost more than you want to pay? And, and that pretty much applies to anything that's really good in life. But uh, like, so uh, an entrepreneur, someone who's really goal-driven business, want to make more money, want to create wealth, what is, what is that step every day to get them in that mindset? I know you have you have some sort of routine. There's a lot of the keys yeah. you have to tap into. Yeah. Uh, what, what is it specifically? I think if you understand the whole person, the whole person is made up of four parts. A body that's physical, a mind that's mental, 
a heart that's emotional, a spirit that's spiritual. My goal is to feed all four parts daily. So I do something physically. This this morning it was more 20 minutes of meditation, relaxing the mind, some exercise, but not a heavy exercise this morning because I'm going to go back and exercise harder this afternoon. Then it was time with my kids. Then it was uh, studying um, Peter, a book on Peter, a Bible study. Then it was listening to something on business to activate my drive. So if you notice what I did there, I tried to feed the body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit. All four parts of my nature to activate the drive so that I'm ready to go into battle. And what that does is it gets me going. So I'm like, boom, let's go. I wasn't ready when I woke up. Now I'm ready. And to be honest with you, because of the meditation I did this morning, just not heavy meditation, but but it it I was more relaxed and calm coming into the day. Mm-hmm. I control my mind better. I'm in a better state. I'm in a positive mental frame. And that carries over to my morning meetings. I had a coaching session at eight, one at nine, one at 10 or one at nine 30 here with you at 10. So what that does is it gives me time. Now, after this, I will, I may go exercise some, I may go out and make calls. You know, it's a beautiful day here in Tennessee where I'm at. I may, I may go out and walk around my subdivision. I'm working from my home office today. So I may go ride my bike for 15 minutes and listen to something. And then I may make an hour's worth of phone calls. Then I may follow up on strategic partnerships. Then we're working a number of deals because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get to a certain number every day, every single day as it relates to my B, what I call my B goal. And that's around a new book I have out called from A to B, right? Like, like you're at A and you're trying to get to B. Ideally, we get to be with the least amount of force and exertion. Hmm. The difference between exertion and obligation I'm exerting energy towards something, but it's it's fun. It's exciting. It's enthusiastic. It's not stressful or, or anxious. Yeah. So getting to B, that's that B would just be where you want to go. What B would be your ideal outcome. And it could be a number, it could be a state of mind, it could be a see B for me. I, I was sending my B's to one of my friends yesterday that I'm working with, and he's like, Man, you're so clear. B to me is the company's doing 10 million. It's operating on a 41% profit margin. It's I, I only coach three days a week. Uh, we, we live at our, our state, our house in Florida, 90 days out of the year. I fly private everywhere I go. I spend three days a month with my wife, uh, just me and her connecting. I see my kids uh, when in very quality time. Um, you know, I'm, I've got retreat centers around the country, around the world. I've got uh, multiple greatness factories. B is where I'm trying to go. A is my current position. You're very clear on what it's going to take. Do you track all those things every day? I do. What What do you do specifically to track I just, them? I basically do the exercise A to B every day. And I look at I, I, the, the number of times you write down, if you saw my notepads, the way I'm Im- imaging or building something, you would see you would say how, how much time I actually spend, which is an enormous amount of time drawing it up, thinking about it, reading on it, studying it, pursuing it. That is that I'm combining prey drive with my because goals with my A to B uh, book and exercise mm-hmm. there. 
Okay, so what do I need to do to find out exactly what my B is? Think about what you want. B is a mental construct, but it's an ideal picture. And the reason people move toward B, by the way, is they believe they'll be happier if they achieve B. They believe it'll decrease pain or anxiety in their life if they move toward B. Um, it'll it'll be some kind of worthy goal that they reach. So they'll feel good that they reached a goal. Like we set these things because we believe we'll move toward pain or move away from pain and move toward pleasure in some kind of way. We think that's what will happen. Now, what that does is it activates the prey drive and gets you excited about going. Like, like why do I want retreat sites around the country? Cause I enjoy creation. I enjoy being a creative person. I enjoy coaching people in creative places. So I also want positive cash flow. So I'm looking for positive cash flowing places where I can also coach and create. And when I'm there, I'm happy. So there you go. It moves toward some type of B goal. And one of my B goals is my passive income is greater than my living expenses. Hmm. Do you ever get to a point where you just feel really comfortable where you're at and you kind of slow down or how do you stop that? Because I I do. Yeah, I think it's very small windows. Like, like it's more recreation. I don't vacate that much. I do recreate. Like I spent Saturday at the ocean, sitting in front of the ocean with my notepad, with books, listening to things, me and my wife mapping out where I wanted to go in 2024, mapping out exactly what I wanted to do. I've done that hundreds of times. So to me, it's not long cycles of rest. It's short cycles. For me now, it's more controlling my day, getting in bed at appropriate time, getting up in the morning and having enough time to decompress. It's more control of the time versus long cycles of being up or down or in the game or not in the game. Hmm. Okay. So, so for me, I have the goal to earn a million dollars in a year. And what happens is I'm 22 years old. I pretty quickly make a couple hundred thousand dollars and then I'm like, well, like I'm doing okay. Yeah. My my life doesn't cost that much. I'm making investments, buying real estate, you know, doing all the things you do, but I, I can't get the push I need. I think. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, Well, what would you say to me? I think your B's too, too small. I think you need to be in environments where your, your, your B is expanded. You need a B that's so big that it ain't easy to get to, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, a couple hundred thousand is good. Now, what would it, what would change in your life if you had a million dollars of personal income? So you don't want the money, you want what the money can buy. So, you know, if, if I, if I, like when I read you my B's, at 10 million of me hitting my sales goals, I'm flying private everywhere I go. I never fly commercial. And you say, well, why is that mm-hmm. a big deal? Well, I've, I've, stayed, I've stayed in 91 hotels this year. I've been away from home 91 times. So when you're flying in airports, there's an emotional tax. I'm away from my family. So for me to fly private is more about my state of mind and my emotional tax and me being able to see my kids, which is why I need to make the 10 million to be able to fly private or I commit to flying private. It's called psychological demand. And then I find the money after I commit to doing it mm-hmm. by committing, it commits me by you committing to, by you committing to making a million dollars a year, it psychologically commits you to going and figuring out where the money is, man. 
Mm. If yeah. you don't commit, you don't commit. But it it doesn't hurt me enough to not make a million dollars. I think that's, that's my that's my point. Is that yeah. is that making a the 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 problem with prey drive? Because I was fascinated by why do people become complacent? Why do people give up on their dreams? Why do people become lazy? And it's really could all be summed up in one 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 sentence: satisfied needs never motivate. Only unsatisfied mm. needs. Mm. See, when I got everything I want, or I think I got everything I want. See, it's very easy for me to say I got a beautiful house here. I got you know private jet. I got multiple homes. I got. You know, why push hard, man? Why not just get lazy? Why not just enjoy? Why not sit out at my swimming pool out here? All these things are nice, but it's really the pursuit of something that activates my drive, which is why I'm building a, you know, $7 million greatness factory in downtown Nashville. It's why I'm traveling the country looking at retreat centers. It's why I'm trying to constantly redo my lodge. It's it's just a, a mindset and attitude toward never settling for what you have, being grateful for what you have being thankful for what you have, but, but never settling because that deactivates the drive in people settling deact like, like retirement. The word retire means to be taken out of use. You know, you retire mm-hmm. from what work. Well, work gives you meaning, purpose, contribution. Mm-hmm. So this is why so many people struggle after they retire. It's because they've been taken out of use. Hmm. And some people don't live much longer after they retire. They don't live. What's next? Dying. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to work my whole life. Now, a better way to do this, and I'm just now starting to to do this because I turned 47 this week. A better way to do this is experience joy in the journey and love the process and fall in love with the, the, the work and fall in love with trying to move from A to B and 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 fall in love with the the pros and the cons of comes along with it and you know actually enjoy it like a game like what i loved about coaching that i miss i was watching an interview last week with ed Milet and uh the guy seat under uh, the guy at, uh connecticut and um for the first time in a long time i go man i may want to go back and coach something because there was parts of being in the locker room and pursuing pursuing a championship that i loved it was a a stress, but it was a you stress. It was a good stress. Like a game's coming, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always working toward a game and you could win on Friday night, a Tuesday night. And, and, but there's always a game coming. There's always a season coming. There's all now there was some dread with that. Like, man, it never ends. Like I get out of one season and I'm moving to the next season. Uh, but it's almost like, all right, man, it's time to go back into battle again. Like this is fun. And business people miss this a lot, to be honest with you. They don't have that hunger and fight and drive to go win and compete like coaches do. Mm. I, I played basketball in high school, and what I noticed is it's very easy to stay in shape when you're going after a championship. 100%. Like the the sprints you have to do at practice, the the shots you need to put up, it's pretty easy to do that. But now that I'm not on a basketball team, there's no coach, there's no championship that we're going towards. It's pretty hard to get out there and just do sprints for no reason. Yeah, especially if you're doing it by yourself and there's nobody pushing you. Mm-hmm. So, ha- so translating that to business, how do how do you get yourself to put in the sprints and put up the shots when there's there's no championship, there's no coach, there's no team? You, well, you build a de- build a team and hire a coach. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You definitely have, have, the reason people need a coach is because the coach 
helps them play at a higher level. The coach is very skilled, the good coaches. Now there's a lot of coaches that ain't that good, but, but the good coach is highly skilled at helping you move from A to B. They're highly skilled at bringing a structure to your confusion. They're highly skilled at doing something. My, one of my skills is packaging, monetization, understanding how business works, uh, understand how to drive revenue, stay focused and play offense. I mean, you could sum it all about just teaching you how to play offense in life versus defense. That comes from my background and back being an athletic coach, but it also comes from me understanding the prey drive and understanding a lot of things about how to activate that drive consistently in people. Hmm. Yeah. That's still, still, still trying to figure it out. Like just for me, like that's just where I'm at. It's I'm, I'm young. I do make a significant amount of money for someone this young. Like I, I am married, got married last year, no kids. Okay. Uh, okay. Really like, what, what do you think I should do specifically? If you, well, having kids, think change, of that. having kids will change some of that. Um, yeah. A lot of sacrifice involved in having kids. Uh, I think, you know, I think it's all relative though. Mm-hmm. Yes. You probably do earn a high income in comparison to your peers, Right. But I know a lot of people that make way more than way more than I do, way more than a million dollars. Yep. So so that's what I'm saying. It's all relative. See, see, the money is in proportion to the dream. And when I started building this greatness factory in Nashville, just the first one, by the way, it's not like 50 of them. Hmm. I figured out how much money you really need to build something unique. OK. And, and it's like, OK, now this is why we need the money. We got a big dream and the money is needed to fulfill the dream. And you don't know that if you got small dreams, because you don't need much money when you got small dreams. Now, when you start doing something bigger, you start going, man, it's a lot more expensive to play at this level than it was to play at this level. So I need to I need to go get the money to fulfill some of the dreams. OK, mm-hmm. let's, let's just say I want to go buy retreat sites. And that's one of my dreams. So I go look at them around the country and and and, I, and it comes up a chance to, to, to buy one. I could go find the money, you know, use other people's money. But as soon as I use other people's money, I've got I'm indebted to them. I've got to mm-hmm. pay them back. I got to You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I'm not I wouldn't do that. But but at the same time, it sure would be nice to go, man. I got enough money to just go buy this whole thing by myself. Yeah. Write the check. And and so you set goals, but the goals need money. And if you set small goals, you don't need a lot of money. It's like, hey, I got a nice house and I got a nice car. And but when you start doing big goals that could affect bigger people, you need a lot more money. Hmm. And that, that's a big thing that you got to focus on. You know, you need yeah. the money to fulfill the goal, or or you need the money to fulfill the purpose. Yeah, you just the and the purpose a lot of times is going to come from helping other people, and making money is going to come from helping other people is what I've learned. You help enough other people reach your goals. You're going to reach yours. Yeah. Money changes hands when problems are solved or ambitions are created. This is why I like the concept of total cash confidence. I think the best book on money was Sullivan's book, total cash confidence, because he says you have knowledge, attitude, skills, and habits. You got a certain, certain knowledge set. You got a certain, um, attitude about the way you approach life. You got a certain set of skills. You got a certain set of habits. That is your cash, K-A-S-H. You use your cash to help other people with their ambitions. So the way you go get more money is you 
locate other people's ambitions. You become aspirational partners. The bigger their dream is, the more money required for you to help them go reach that dream. The smaller their dream is, the smaller the money required. So the way you sell and make money is actually by becoming aspirational partners with other people. And you bring a certain knowledge, a certain attitude, a certain set of skills, a certain habit to them. And they actually need those, that cash to go do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And part of that, in a way, uh, just what I've seen, as I never thought that sales was going to be important to me, I thought I was just going to figure out how to get a bunch of real estate and then I'd be extremely wealthy. And uh, over the last few years, working with JD very closely, learning from you, going to your events, Grant Cardone, all those guys, Bradley, is that sales is important even if you don't want to be a sales person, just because it's a skill that helps people see one way that you see and, and make a decision. And that's just important to anything. If you're going to get anything done, that's an important thing. So, um, and what are some things, what do you do to sharpen that skill and get better at it? Cause you have to, to get people to buy into your vision, to give you their hard earned money for what you're going to get them back or what the vision is, what they're investing into. Uh, you've got to get better at that. It's just because people don't want to give up their money, even though yeah. they know they're going to get a result. Well, and they really don't. Uh, what I get better yeah. at, what I've gotten significantly better at is connecting with people, uh, locating their ambition, doing a better job of building a bridge between my skill set, my, my knowledge, attitude, skills, and habits, and how that skill set can help them specifically move toward their dreams and ambitions. And just having the confidence and boldness to ask people to move forward, you know. So that's what I've gotten significantly better at is how I use A to B with prospects, with clients, helping them get clear on what they want to do and showing them how I can help them move toward their dreams with my skills. I'm really, an like as I said, an aspirational partner to them. And in some ways I need them and they need me. Yeah. And, and what you are is a business coach to them or w- what is it exactly you're mostly? Say, I would say a coach, you know, with a very special skill set in activating prey drive, packaging and monetization of concepts. And prey drive encompasses a lot of things because it helps people think bigger, expand. You know, even with J.D., when J.D. first hired me to, to be his coach, what what he did was use a model that I created to create membership levels it's a different way of accounting. It really activated a prey drive to think in a different way mm-hmm. to, to perform at a higher level. Okay. And that's has a lot to do with how I package ideas and concepts. Mm-hmm. And that's, is that something you learned somewhere how to package the ideas and con- or is that's just natural, it, your God given talent? It's naturally God given talent, but it has been refined over a long cycle of time because I studied, I started studying Covey when I was 18. Uh, I had a coach when I was 15 and had a package and speak. Uh, I really didn't put all this together till I was later in life till I could look backward and go, you know, I was really developing a skill set. So I was studying business motivation. I was packaging those concepts. I was sharing it with my team. I was getting real time feedback. And then I just kind of woke up one day and go, man, I'm really good at packaging a concept. 
And I think I learned that under Covey when I was 18 to 25 because he was a master at taking a complicated subject and packaging it. I was going to ask who have been some of your coaches. I mean, Covey from 18 to 25. uh, I had a coach when I was 25 or 26 named Mark LeBlanc that basically taught me a sales cycle for coaches and consultants. Then I got into a strategic coach when I was uh, in my early 30s. That was very important. So Dan Sullivan and his work was important structurally for me. Uh, Then my exposure starting at 35 to Cardone, when I was really doing a lot of things with him from 35 to 38, taught me the importance of marketing. Uh, Then Dave Blanchard, who's probably one of the top connection experts in the world, uh, coached me over the last few years and just connecting with people at a a deeper level. Hmm. And you do a lot of speaking, speaking on stage, and that's how you can impact a lot of people at scale. Also social media, of course. But uh, how did you get into the speaking and learn how to make a ton of impact? That's something I would want to do eventually. I think I have a little bit of the imposter syndrome. I know I've achieved a good bit for my age and people want to hear it, uh, but also just being surrounded by people who have done so much more. I don't know if it's my time yet, but as far as speaking becoming you know influential from the stage through social media uh what did what have you learned over the years to make that a bigger impact well i started speaking when i was 25 years old. i actually started speaking when i was 15 i was uh, in in, an honor society called the beta club Mm. and i um had a speaking coach i ran for a national office in the beta club i won And part of my job was to travel around the country to other conventions and speak. And my first convention was 6,000 people in, in Shreveport, Louisiana. So I'm 15 years old speaking to 6,000 people. I didn't think much about that when I became a basketball coach until I wrote my first book at 25 and people were, would ask me to come out and speak. And it was companies and I would go out and speak and for an hour. And then I would, I thought it was just a hobby. I thought, well, this is cool. You know, I, I had fun doing it, but I remember I liked the preparation. I liked thinking about the message. I liked the impact. I, I liked coaching adults. And so I started speaking more and more. And the more I spoke, the more people asked me to coach. So I go speak to a company and they'd say, we want you to be our coach. And uh, it all started with a company who said, we're going to pay you 12,000 a month. 144,000 a year to be our coach. And that was, that was unheard of to me. I mean, I was a high school basketball coach making maybe 50,000 a year working 80 hours a week. And then they were going to pay me, you know, in essence, six times what I was making uh, a month for a week to go in and be their coach. And I started to, to have this revelation that I have a gift, I have a talent. They'll pay me a lot more money over here for that talent than they will over here. And so I started becoming interested in being a speaker and coach and, you know, and then I started studying what the top speakers in the world do, which at that time was Ziegler and Les Brown. And, and what do they do? How do they speak? Uh, Lou Holtz was big in those days. Like, like what, you know, how do they make money? How do they, so I really mm-hmm. became a student of the game. And, and the next thing, you know, I retired from athletic coaching at 31 and, you know, I'm signing six figure contracts to be the coach of companies. And that was instrumental for me because I got to go into companies and see how I got to go into companies and see, uh, you know, I got to go into companies and see 
how to motivate people. Why do they resist change? Why, why, how does it, how hard is it to get an initiative going? How do you get the sales team on board? How do you get these two that don't like each other fighting for each other? How do you handle the egos? Like that was very important work for me because I understood how to move a big initiative within a company or a small company. Mm. And that's what you were there for. That's, that's why, that's why they, hire you. they were paying me to get some kind of result, which was typically an increase in sales, which, which had me constantly thinking about revenue. How do I get these people to make more money? How do I get them to sell every day? How do I, which, and what I noticed is they didn't have, most of them didn't have a drive that I had. They didn't have an intensity. They didn't, they didn't get up and go get it every day. So I'm like, you know, there's something to this. And then when I uncovered the word prey drive, two words at a, at a conference, about 50 people, maybe 75 people in small town, Mount Juliet, Tennessee, a former Vietnam veteran used the two words prey drive. And he's talking about an animal, kept talking about the dog having a prey drive. And I went, hmm, that's interesting. I looked it up. I Googled it. I go prey drive. I think prey drive is prevalent in, in, in a human, but it's dormant. Mm-hmm. It's latent. It's undeveloped. How do I develop that in people? And it gave me a name to call something. Instead of saying I come in and motivate people, which is kind of boring, I really come in and activate a prey drive in people. And people got it. And that's why that book became a a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Yeah. You packaged it well. (laughs) It's just, it's take, it's Vujade. It's taking an old concept and bringing it to life in a new way. I'm talking about motivation. I'm really talking about activation of the drive, mm-hmm. not motivation. See, inspiration starts it. Motivation finishes it. Pray drive initiates it every day. And so there's a difference between motivation and activation. And a guy said this to me one day, he said, man, you're not a motivator. He said, you're really an activator. You activate a drive inside of people to want to do something. And that drive we call prey drive. Yeah. Have you found there's a specific thing you say that's one of the best activators? Like really, really makes it click for people and it's get not, it into gear? It's not a certain thing. It's the way I say it. It's the coach. It's the background. It's the skill set. It's the cadence. It's the, it's the unpacking of a concept to make a person want to want more in their life. You know, I've got a young lady on my team named Brittany Hall who has got all the skills, but she was hesitant, tentative. And I took her with me to New Jersey and I was speaking up there and she saw me speak to a high school football team. And she saw me speak to a group of real estate agents. That was a tough, tough crowd. And uh, I woke up with this, this message in my head, I got to tell her to be more aggressive. I get in the car the next morning with her and I said, look, I got I want to say something to you and give you some feedback. You got to get more aggressive. This is a jungle. You're never going to win being tentative or scared or playing not to lose. This is a freaking jungle. We're competing versus Cardone and Robbins and Andy Elliott and everybody else that's out there. You're never going to win playing scared. So get aggressive, get in the game, throw some elbows. And you know, it's like, boom, that day, she's like, I'm on it. Boom, mm. boom, boom. Then it's like sales. So all I had to say is I had to say it to her in a way that got her to go, I, I got to turn it on, man. I got to flip the switch here. Yeah. And sometimes you need to be reminded more than you need to be told. Because maybe maybe one day, you know, you get tired of throwing elbows, you got yeah. some money in the bank, whatever. But 
just the reminder, Hey, get aggressive. Like yeah. there's a- Andy Elliott's building a big sales team. They're coming after us. We got to keep going and keep pushing and we've got big goals. We're building greatness factories. We're building great. We got big goals. We got, we got a long way to go. We got a short time to get there. Yeah. Tell me about the greatness factory. What exactly is the vision with that? Greatness factory is a, a place to manufacture your greatness. It is a place you can work, learn, grow, connect. It's where inspiration meets execution. It's three levels. It's got shared office space. Every office, every person has a membership there gets access to my coaching. We uh, monthly unique activation events that are organic for natural networking. There's 10 private suites on level two that are state that are first class, incredible building. There's a 116 person theater on level three. There's flex space, drink, what I call a dream foundry, coffee bar. I mean, it's, it's just the coolest place in the world to work, man. And, uh, you know, it's a place where business is going to be exchanged. Ideas are going to be exchanged. Masterminds are going to be held. Conferences are going to be musical event events. It's just the coolest place in Nashville to work that, that where inspiration meets execution. Cause it's got, I'm not just a, a guy who says, go to an office and get inspired. I'm a guy that says, Hey, get inspired. And then let's go, let's do something with it. Get inspired and get it into action. And I think, I think combining all of that, uh, the inspiration and the creativity with the toughness of execution. That's really what the greatness factory is. It's, it's a, it's an idea that we're manufacturing greatness in people. And it's a lot of it's about the environment, the type of people you're around, the type of message that's being delivered and how you feel when you're there. If you're, if you're in a super nice office surrounded by people that are crushing it, you're going to feel like you, you need to make yourself belong there. Yeah. Like, and, and you're going to be around people who want to get better. It's not, it's I joke and say, it's not the complacency factory, mm-hmm. you know, uh, complacency factories. There are no hopes, no dreams, no goals, laziness. You've given up on your dreams. This is a place where you go because you want to be around other people who are doing things. They're going places. They want to, they want to make moves. That's who's going to work at the greatness factory. And you're going to do these everywhere. Eventually. That's the plan. It's going up in Nashville right now. When is that supposed to be? I'm going to say conservatively January of 2024. I think it's going to be finished before then. I think we're going to do some soft openings. I think we'll get people in there and get them around it. But it was originally supposed to be done the 27th. Uh, but I'm thinking November, December, open January, yeah. big launch, kick it off and do it right. Yep. Throw some events there, get some people okay. in the door. Yep. Awesome. What's, uh, well, I guess the, the book is coming soon. A to B. What, what's uh, what's yeah, next a, after that? Yeah. I know you're all you're always writing books. Yeah, A to B is so so. You know, right now I'm in the process of uh, you know doing a manuscript for a new major published book called Screw Your Why. Uh, I don't think you have to find your why to do something big in the world. I think there's a lot of confusion about finding your why. I actually think you need to find your skill and find a problem that you want to solve, and in the uh, in the process you will find your purpose. Your purpose will actually find you. So I'm writing that book. Uh, manuscript is finished up. We'll take that to major publishers and shop that around for who's the right fit there. Uh, a to B. So in the interim, I'm writing small self-published books that help people. A to B has been a big one, which is just a simple structure to get clear on where you are and where you're trying to go. You know, and I use it internally. I use it externally. I use it a lot in the sales cycle. Um, but it's really it's so simple, but it's so profound because it's like I'm at A and I'm trying to get to B and but B's not clear. And so mm-hmm. I don't 
So this little book helps you get clear. And you'd yeah. be shocked how, how much people talk about it. Just going from A to B, man. I'm, I'm at A. I'm trying to get to B. Mm. And then they can't tell you what B is. We always ask the question, what do you want? Yep. And nine times out of ten, someone can't answer that question. No, they can't. What are you trying to do? What's the magic number? Everybody's trying to do something, guys. Everybody. Did you lose my audio there? I got you. Nope. Can't hear me. I don't know what just happened. Give Can you hear me? Check one. Check. Are we back? Check. Can you hear me? Good. Can you hear me? Yes. Good. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Um. But uh, yeah. So we always ask. So we always ask. Go ahead. Lost you. Good. We're good. Good. I don't, yep. I don't know what happened this guy again. So we always ask the question, what do you want? And most people can't answer it. Um, in that book, as I'm sure you probably get pretty clear on how to figure out what you want. What is B? And then you make the steps to get it. Right. When you're talking about screw your why, you said just find a skill and a problem that you can solve with it. How do you find your skill? I think through a lot of discovery. I think through a lot of feedback. I think through a lot of trying things. I think through just like I figured out that I was good at packaging. I think from listening to what other people tell you, man, you're really good at this. I think there's a discovery process. Most people spend, you know, you've heard it said most people spend more time planning their vacations than they do planning their life. Hmm. If I ask 10 people what their skill is, what their primary skill is, they couldn't tell me. What problem does it solve? Who would pay you the most money to solve the problem? How does it help people? They can't tell you. And because they can't tell you, they can't figure out how to make money with it. So so my argument in the new book that'll be out probably, you know, a year to two years from today is could I know my purpose and still be broke? Yes. Could I know my purpose and not know how to how, how, what my how, what my skill is? Yes. Could I know? Right. It's like it's like, you know, could I could I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but not be motivated to do it? Could I know, not know how to package it? Could I not know how to market it? Could I not know how to monetize it? See, just knowing my why doesn't solve a lot of, we think it solves a problem for us. Find your why. What's your why? Why do you do this? It may make you think about it, but but I found it to be incomplete, especially mm-hmm. coaching people. Because I know a lot of people go, man, I'm supposed to be a coach, but I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to package a concept. I don't know how to market. I don't know how to get on a stage. I don't know how to create a coaching program. Like, like you could know you're supposed to coach or here's a better one. Could I know that coaching is my skill and talent, but not be motivated to do it after 31 years? What happens when I wake up and go, man, I don't feel like doing this today. What happens when Taylor Swift wakes up and says, I don't feel like singing today. Although I'm making a billion dollars to sing. So, so I believe that cult in America or around the world, I believe it to be a genius Hook, I, I, I also believe from coaching people every day that it is incomplete in the paradigm to actually see something through to its conclusion. I, I need to know my purpose and I need to know how to convert my purpose to profit. Mm. Yeah. And meeting new people and learning new skills is what I've found and heard and been told is like, is how you do that. Yeah. You, you got you to gotta be increasing your skills, constantly learning and then connecting with new people. Now, what city are you in? 
I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Uh, I go back and forth to Chattanooga, Tennessee, pretty often. Do you think Chattanooga would be a city that would that would be open to a greatness factory? Chattanooga, maybe. Atlanta, let's, yes. Let's call that a no for Chattanooga. Yeah. You, I, so you, I, I think people there are people there I know that would love that, but I don't think it would work as a business that makes money. Okay. But because why? This is very important because think about this. Attitude is a posture of the body represented by a physical state. Cities have attitudes. Like think about New York City, the attitude of New York City, Miami, L.A., Chicago, mm. Atlanta. Chattanooga's got an attitude. See, you know the reason I didn't put a greatness factory in my home city where I live? I live in Murfreesboro. I have a place in downtown Nashville. I tried, to build, I tried to build a greatness factory in my home city of Murfreesboro. And the city, the planning commission said the building was too modern. So I bought a lot started to put it in the city and the, the local planning commission said, you know, it's too mod. This was in 2016. It's too modern for the city. Can you dumb it down and make it look basic? And I said, no, I can't. It's not basic. It's a freaking greatness factory. Yeah. This it, it's a, it's a different mindset, I guess, like cause small town want to keep things the way they are. It's always worked. So let's not change anything. And then the bigger cities, of course, are very encouraging of development and making things appealing to attract new people as well. Um, people like new and exciting stuff, I guess. <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think, you know, it's like, it's like at, at, uh, on my, on my plane up in the front of the plane in the cockpit, there's a attitude indicator and the attitude indicator tells you if the plane's ascending plateaued or, or descending. And I asked the pilot once, what do you want that to say? He said, you always want it up. <laughs> mm. You never want it doing this. Well, attitudes are the same way. You're going somewhere, you are plateaued, or you're freaking going nowhere. That's your attitude indicator. <laughs> I love Makes it. Sense. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, a guy that spoke at our conference, uh, Vic Keller, I think his name was. I don't know if you know him. That was, that was his whole thing, talking about leadership and landing the plane, like everything's got to be lined up. Yeah. You want it to be a certain way. That's, that's how attitudes have to be. And I think he used probably the same terminology, if that's the correct, for flying the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys doing that conference again? We are. We're, it'll probably be next May. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to get you there on the hey, stage. What have I got to do? Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, you've got to talk to Rocky Garza. Is that who's in charge of it? That, that's who's in charge of the event. Yep. Okay. I got you. Yep. Well, I, I appreciate the time uh, and the wisdom and knowledge you dropped. Is there anything anything else we need to cover before we go? The people need to hear it um, before we wrap things up here. No, I think, I think we covered a lot of good things today, and I think this was a good cerebral interview. I think, I think, you know, based on what you talked about, man, set that target at a million of personal income. You'll find out that's not a lot of money when you get there. Mm -hmm. And uh, but getting there is is not something a lot of people will ever do. So it's 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 important you get there. When you get there, you'll go. We need some more money. Yep. But that's the first that's the first goal I have for everybody I coach is to try to get them to a million of personal income. Because mm -hmm. I think that well, will change that will change your life. Yeah, definitely. And then you realize it takes more money to do bigger things. Hundred um, percent. So yeah, 
Absolutely. Uh, I think it's great. And I appreciate the personal advice I've gotten on here. Where can people learn more about you, get in touch with you? Well, I think if you if you look at me on any social platforms, just Coach Michael Burt, whether TikTok, you know, just if you search Coach Michael Burt, uh, you'll you'll find me. They can go to CoachBird.com or they can just reach out to me, Coach at CoachBird.com and say, man, I want to do something with you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. To anyone listening all the way here at the end, I appreciate you. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. All right, brother.